What you are about to hear is a lesson taught in the Baird and Born Essentials class. For more information, or to download all the resources made available in this class, click the link in the episode description or visit barrettandborn.com. And now, this week's Essentials class. Um, but we're going through to be a Christian, and the first part, portion that we are talking through, it's called Beginning with Christ. Uh, and we said that last week, number one, uh, you can know things about Christ and, and at the same time not be a part of Christ. So it's more than just knowing facts or what we believe in or having a list of things that we, we check. Because as you go down the list, of uh, the checklist of things that you have to believe, what we tend to do is we add to those things and you have to believe in these, these, these little branch items where, uh, well, we have to believe this and you also have to believe this and you also believe that. And then what happens is we get uh, uh, not necessarily competitive, but we start to look to our neighbor and we start to criticize our neighbor. And, and Christians, Christians sometimes will do that where we, we look at somebody else and if they don't believe how we believe or the same tradition that we believe, then we start to push them out of salvation. And, and, and that comes back to bite us because then Satan uses that as a way to push us out of our salvation because he starts to question how we believe and what we believe. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, you'll, you sit in church and we'll sing a song about, um, there was a song, I think it was last week that we were singing and it was, it was, it was really powerful, but it was talking about, Oh, it was talking about mercy, and I can't recall the words, but it was it was one of those songs that as I listened to it, I thought, these are all the things that I know all the time. Um, and I, I've already known these things. They're not new, but the way that, that Satan speaks to, to my head, you would think I didn't know this. You would think that God's mercy isn't bigger than my sin. You would think that that I'm the exception to the rule, that, I, that I'm the one that Jesus is looking at like, boy, can't get you back in the fold. You're just way too far gone. And we have to be reminded of these things, that it's not a list of things that you believed that saved you, although you believed. It's Christ that saved us, and we believe it. And so that's what we started with last week, and we moved into uh, the gospel. And here's what we said. The gospel is the good news that God took loving action in Jesus Christ to save us from this dire situation. We said that sin was not simply something that's wrong, but it was a, uh, a way of life that was, that was depraved of goodness and necessarily ends in death and condemnation. And so God comes to save us. We said this, the key facts of the divine remedy is this, God the Father sent the eternal Son into the world to reconcile us to himself. That's where we stopped last week, reconcile us to himself. And this is where we begin today, to free us to love and serve him and to prepare us to share in his glory in the life to come. So I wanted to start there uh, with this phrase that he uses to free us to love and serve him. How do you talk about freedom here for a second? Um, the scriptures, we, we put them all together, the whole counsel of God. And the scriptures let us know that when we sin, we are at fault because it's our own, uh, our own will. We have chosen freely to sin. But it also speaks to us and says that we are blind, that we are captive, that we're prisoners, um, that we've been condemned by a law outside of our power. So it's kind of a both and, right? We've, we've done something wrong because we've chosen to. We, we've decided to do it. But we've also done something wrong 
and we are in a system, in a structure that has bound us to only doing that thing wrong continually. We're, we're stuck. We're blinded. We can't get out of it. And so think of it as, uh, as you might think of, of, of children or maybe somebody when you first started your job, you didn't know how to do what your job told you to do. When I first started my job, I remember thinking that I, I was like, boy, I really got myself into a mess because I, there's no way that I'm going to be able to remember all these things. There's no way. I'm gonna, I, I saw, I jumped into it. I said, maybe I jumped too fast and this is not a good idea. I'm never going to be able to figure it out. Well, two years later in that position, sometimes I surprise myself in that I'm able to figure those things out. And it's because on day one or at the beginning, you can't do something, not because you don't want to, but just because you're incapable of doing that thing. You, you don't know how to do something the right way. And my, my children will get this way. And kids are like this. They, they keep making a mistake because they honestly don't know how to not make that mistake. And that's what sin is for us. Sin tells us a certain uh, wisdom that it calls wisdom. And we can't get out of it. And we're bound in that, although we're willingly doing those things. I'll give you an example. Um, I saw somebody online recently um, post a picture and they were saying how absurd it was, how weird it was that somebody would want to have uh, one partner for life and not be promiscuous. They were like, how weird is that? You got to go home to the same person every, every day. <laughs> and and, and that's, what, that's my point. They're willfully wanting to commit sin and yet their mind is bound because they don't get it. They don't, they don't see why what they're doing is wrong. And so when the scriptures tells us that Christ comes to free us, it's, it's, it's more than a, uh, you know, a, a, a platitude to, that we can put in songs. Oh, he's freed us from sin. It's, it's that he's come to literally free us from Satan's power over us. And Christmas songs do a good job of, of talking about this. That Christ comes and he, he frees us and he breaks the chains. That's why we talk about these five relationships. Because what happens is that when we participate in these different relationships in different aspects, it's, it's like one, two punches to the old mindset that, that, Satan has, that Satan has put on us. We often will think that salvation is this, this light switch. And I think that it could potentially get us in trouble if, if we think of salvation as this. The light switch went on. It's this moment. I don't know if you've heard maybe a preacher has said, you know, boy, if God ever moved in, you'd know it, Right. And then you feel guilty because you're like, I sometimes don't feel like God moved in, right? Um, or, boy, some of you ought to tell your faces that you're saved. And you're like, well, I just don't, right? Yeah, I'm glad. If you've never heard it, I'm glad. But, but what there is is there's the, there, there, there could be a push on you to feel as though at the moment of your salvation, sure, the Holy Spirit moved in and all of a sudden, all the chains are broken, right? And... The reality of the Christian life is not the, you know, I, I, was, a, I was a drunkard and I was a, a, an addict and I was full of sin. And one day I heard one message. I broke. I was in tears. I went down to the altar. I changed my life and everything changed. Although that happens, that's not the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is the light goes on. The spirit illuminates us. We follow Christ, and over the course of years and years and years of participating in worship, studying the scriptures, the Spirit of God speaking to us in prayer, 
he slowly but surely breaks away the old man and puts on the new man and grows us in grace. If you read the apostles, especially Paul, Paul's epistles are not talking to an unconverted group. They're talking to people who already claim Christianity, and Paul has to spend the majority of his, his time teaching them how to be Christian, because they're not. We don't, we don't, when I was a kid, I, I misunderstood faith a lot, and I remember when we would have the altar calls, I would go to the altar call, and I'd feel horribly guilty because I was not equivalent to this great minister that was preaching. And I would go forward and I'd be like, God, I just pray that you would just, and it was almost like, a, like I wanted a magic trick. I was like, God, I just pray that as soon as I stand up, like that the old me just magically just flies away and it's just the new total Christian. And I'd go back to my seat and it would be, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, it was just me still, right? Because that's, that's not how he works. And, and if you remember, Pastor Andrew get told that in, in that story in Mark, where he goes to heal the blind man. And he, what do you see now? And that is actually much more like what we find in the Christian life. It's, I'm completely blind, and I go get a little grace, and what do you see now? It's blurry, but I see something. And then we go get more grace, and he says, what do you see now? Okay, now I can see it. And that's why we have to go to the worship service with this spirit of humility, because maybe after 15, 20, 30 sermons on Mark, that thing touches our heart, and we say, oh, that, I get it. I get why that sin is, is wrong. And, and, and a lot of times we know which sins are wrong, but we don't know why they're wrong. And that's hard for like my kids because I'll, I'll talk to my kids about something and, you know, we're not supposed to say bad words. Okay. So they don't say the bad words, the ones that get bleeped on TV, but then they say bad words to each other. So then I have to pause it and go, okay, time out. This is a misunderstanding of sin. Bad words aren't bad because that string of consonants and vowels are bad words. It's bad because it either gives disrespect to a person or it disrespects yourself or it disrespects God. Oh, see, so that's the light goes on. Oh, I see. It's about respect. But I'm going around my whole life going, I can't say a bad word, I can't say a bad word, I can't say a bad word. And then I say the bad word, and it slips up, and i got to go to the altar and be like, God, I said another bad word. That's why we have to not only have worship, but we have to have education. And that's why we have to not only have worship and education, but we have to have community, right? There have been times, okay, I went to uh, the Chamber of Commerce once. Chamber of Commerce, and there was this lady there, and I was like, oh, I'm going to... And talk to this lady and maybe I'll get the lady from the Chamber of Commerce to go to my church. We had just a small church. And I presented the church from the perspective of we're a small church. We're not like one of these big churches. We're not like, you know, you just walk in and you get lost and everybody, you know, we know everybody, right? I wasn't wrong, but I didn't see it through her perspective. And she was taken aback a little bit and offended, kind of like, I like my church. It's a big church. And I didn't even think to ask if she even goes to church. So she went to one of the big churches in the area and I offended her. <laughs> she never came to our church. <laughs> I offended her because I had in my head this, this idea. And unfortunately, until I engaged in community with another Christian believer, 
I wasn't allowing my thoughts to bounce off of their thoughts and have somebody that maybe at that moment was wiser than me speak to me. And so we have to have worship where we obtain grace and education where our minds are enlightened. We have to have community where we can grow in goodwill towards one another. And as we participate in each of these different relationships and in our private time with God, what we expect to see is a real actual freeing from an old self and an old mind and an old way of thinking and a putting on of, as, as the apostle tells us, and putting on of love and putting on of mercy and putting on of the new man. And so we have to consider in our, our Christianity that we are not just spectators watching or spectators agreeing with. Like this isn't, this is not like a political rally here at church today where we just came because we believe it and we just want to hear it reinforced so that we can say, you know, oorah, we agree with you. We are coming here today because there's a part of the old, the old self that I still need I got to go to the tailor. He still needs to fix this portion of the the, the sweater. I got to go to the tailor because he's got to clean up this part of my garment here again. And so we have to approach our, our, our Christianity from that perspective that Christ is trying to free us, not just from the penalty of sin, but from the culture of sin that we keep inside of ourselves. And until you understand that you do have it, it doesn't get changed. Like, it's very easy for us to think, I had a conversation with a person probably a week ago, and they were just very confident. They weren't bad, but they were just very confident that they were, part, they were right. They're just right. And the people around them were wrong. And I said, you have to understand that that's prideful. Now, it's okay to think we're right. Obviously, you have to think you're right. Nobody's going to be like, well, we think this about baptism, but I'm probably wrong. Like, we're not self-deprecating. We believe we're right. That's fine. <clears throat> But we have to have this uh, a belief that, that, that comes along with, that humility comes along with it. Because what happens was, is this person was getting very critical of all the people around. And I was like, look, just because 2,000 years after Christ in this little city, in this little church that you happen to go to, that you guys got it all figured out, why, everyone should be flocking to you then because you guys got it, right? All the churches should be calling up your church right now because you're the only ones who've got it. And I said, that just makes me walk in and go, I'm fine. I'm good. I've got it. Pastor Andrew's style is my style. The church is my style. I like the way we do fonts. I like the color of the carpet. I like how we do things. They, I, the way they do Awana is better than the way they do Awana at that church. And we're right. And then what happens is that we just assume we're right about everything else. This is how I do food. And this is my diet. And this is my exercise. And this is my culture. And what happens is that external non-church beliefs start creeping in to the church and we start thinking that those things are God's things and that's why you have everybody believing that God's on their side. Well, they, you know, God's on our side because because of what? Because of your favorite sports team? Like, I, don't, I mean, obviously God's not sitting there deciding whether or not it's the Sox or the Cubs going to win and so honestly, if you somebody's praying for the Sox to win and somebody's praying for the Cubs to win, the Lord's not like, well, I have a favor here. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> my point my point being we have to have that humility to understand that although i may be a, a, a believer although i may be a christian uh, i am still in christ's workshop being worked on because he's freeing me uh from sin okay so we'll continue the key fact, we said this key facts, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary through the Holy Spirit. He lived a perfect life, died for our sins, rose bodily from the dead to restore us to God. 
given authority by his father, Jesus now rules in heaven as king over all things, advancing God's kingdom throughout the world. Very important. We are not waiting for Jesus to become king. Jesus is king currently, and he is advancing his kingdom throughout the world, even in the days where you and I don't feel like we see it. Remember that. Even in the days where we don't feel like we see it, Christ is advancing his kingdom throughout the world. And when we don't see it, it is not for Christians to take up arms. It is for Christians to flee to, like we read this morning, flee to the Psalms, where we have to focus more on our faith and our trust that he is doing rather than believe that he's not and that some guy that's running for office or some group of people or some organization is somehow going to end the gospel and end the church. We have to have faith and confidence that when the scriptures tells us that the, the church is granted perpetuity, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, that regardless what we see, to know that the church will prevail and Christ will prevail and to have faith. And so we come to church to strengthen our faith. And that's, that's, that's it. So you're going to watch the news and it's going to frustrate you, right? And I'm going to watch the news and it's going to frustrate me. And I am going to have to come to church and hear, there's always sounds over there. I'm going to have to come to church and I'm going to hear over and over and over that Christ is king. And have that faith and confidence that he is. And then the way you act believing that Christ is king, I promise you this, the way you'll act believing that Christ is king is very different than the way you'll act if you're scared that he's not. Do you follow me on that? Yeah, go ahead. Well, because he's won the battle. Yes. Yes. And we keep thinking that we need to help him win the battle. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I, I, I say this at Easter. The resurrection is not the thing that fixed what went wrong at the cross. The resurrection is the vindication. It's the after party of the celebration of what went right at the cross. Right? And so Jesus wins at the cross. Amen. He wins. He kicks down the door of death. He takes the prisoners. He leads them out and says, no longer does death have dominion over you. And so we say, no longer does death have dominion over us. Death can be scary. It, um, sickness and the unknown. Because no matter what, I mean, we haven't seen heaven yet. We haven't seen Christ face to face. So it can be scary. You know, I don't, I'm not going to stand up here and be like, yeah, don't worry. We're never going to be afraid. It happens. Um, Jesus sweat great drops of blood in the garden going into what he was doing. And so we're going to experience that too. But we have to think from the mindset of Christ winning. When, when we think that Christ hasn't won, I'll dabble. Why not? <laughs> when we think Christ hasn't won, what we do is we find people and organizations that we think, or political parties, that we need think need to help him win. That we need... Um, that, that those parties and those people, uh, if, if we can get them in, then finally Jesus will win. And then what we do is we lower our standards and we pick people uh, that if they were standing in the room with us, we would have probably said that person needs to trust in Christ. But instead we elect these people and act like they're going to bail out Christ. And so we lower our standards and then the people that were supposed to come to Christ were like, this is who you picked? We have no interest in your Christ. Um, and so we have to <clears throat> believe that he won and then approach the world from the perspective of Christ is victorious. 
Christ is victorious. And so uh, love mercy, do justice, uh, walk humbly before our God. And so that's what we have to have faith in and confidence. In the fullness of time, Jesus will come and he will return to establish his kingdom here on earth and all things will be renewed. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago. We said that Christ is renewing all things. Space, time, and matter, Christ is renewing all things. Reigning in heaven over all things, Jesus Christ continues to draw sinners to himself. He enables us by his Holy Spirit to turn wholeheartedly from our sin and self-centered ways. We call that repentance. And to entrust ourselves to him to live in union and communion with him. We call that faith. Let's talk about repentance and faith today. Uh, and then that'll be, that'll be all we get through today. In the scriptures, we, uh, we know that we're supposed to place our faith in Christ. So let's talk about faith. And then the Bible also says to repent. So it says repent and believe. One of the misconceptions we have about the idea of works, because we are, we come from a tradition that's very much, very much works can't get you salvation, right? We're very, we're very good, we're hard on that. And that's accurate. Works cannot earn us grace. Works cannot earn us uh, God's merit. But oftentimes when the Bible says the word works, it's not talking about works, meaning uh, earnable wage works, right? When you go to work, you put in either hours or you uh, accomplish a certain amount of work and then you get uh, wages for it or you get a salary for it. This is not what the scriptures mean when it talks about works. The scriptures talks about works of obedience or just very simply, if we're using the same term, participating. Participating in the method through which God has ordained that we receive his grace to us. So I get, I, I get up in the morning and I say, kids, we're going to church, so get in the car. And Connor looks at me and says, I will not get in the car. <laughs> I say, why won't you get in the car, Connor? He says, because there is nothing that I can do to get to church. It is only by God's grace that I can get to church. And I said, understandable, get in the car and you're going to go to church. And he says, I can't, I can't do that, Dad. That's, it wouldn't be faith. It wouldn't be faith. And I say to him, Connor, by faith, Get into the car that God has given to you as a means of delivering to you his grace to get you to church. Okay? So when I say we're going to do works for salvation, I don't mean works that earn us where Jesus looks and goes, good job, congratulations, you get it. What I mean is we do the works of obedience that he has given to us as a means of receiving his grace. And so the Bible gives us these two, repentance and faith. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, Repentance doesn't mean that you've worked hard or earned God's salvation, but repentance means that you are, number one, humble enough to recognize that you're a sinner. We have to be humble enough to recognize. And recognize not that I was a sinner or that we're all sinners, but recognizing that I, me, currently and moving forward, continue to be and was in the past a sinner. Sometimes when I pray, I like to get around it, right? Lord, I just didn't do a good job today. And he's like, say it. Say what you didn't do a good job doing. Because everybody says, well, we're not perfect. We're doing our best. <laughs> First of all, you're not doing your best. I'm not doing my best, right? And so the, the Lord sometimes in my prayers is like, stop. Say the real thing that you did because I want to forgive you of that thing. And be like, okay. When I was waking up this morning and starting my day and talking to the Lord, it was one of those things where I kind of went around the you know, went around the curb. Nah, I didn't really handle that yesterday. Well, Lord, and he was like, what did you not handle? Because if you don't tell me what you didn't handle, I'm not going to break that. 
And the next time you're going to do the same thing and handle it the wrong way again. And I was like, oh, I got mad. And here's why I got mad because I was really frustrated because I'm worried. And my fear is that if he doesn't do this thing, he's not going to go to church. And I'm going to have four atheist kids. And I'm just being honest with God, right? Because I have to be honest with God. And um, honestly, I was driving in the car and it was, I don't know if it was moody, uh, but there was like a whole five minute thing of God loves your children more than you do. And God cares about your children and God is doing. And so do not have fear, have faith. The thing I just said five minutes ago. Right. right? And I was like, okay, I need that. I need that because I'm approaching the world as if I'm the, and, and if we do that with sin, we're going to live our whole lives holding on to these little baby sins and just never getting rid of them, never being transformed into Christ's image, never finding the joy and the peace that is Christ because we're holding on to them. And so repentance is a humility and it's a rejection. It's a rejection of this system. We cannot cling to the system and then also say we want to add Christ. We cannot cling to, and you say, well, name one of the sins. I don't know, whatever yours are. You can't cling to however you see the world, whether it's sinfulness or politics or just, or even culture, familial culture. Turning to Christ is looking at the whole of how we have perceived the world and rejecting it and saying, what I know about you and what I'm, I've yet to know, you are the author and the finisher of life. You designed it. You say it how, how it operates and you say how I'm supposed to operate. And I walk towards this and I walk away from that. And we know that in the scriptures, there's multiple times that people came to Jesus and he said, but do you know, I also meant, and that's when they started to walk away. Remember the, the rich young ruler, uh, Lord, I've kept this and I've kept this and I've kept this. And Jesus said, well, let me ask you this. How would you feel about selling all that you have and, and giving to the poor and following me? And to him, he, that's when he went, oh, you no longer fit into my worldview. That's not repentance. Now, I can't dog on the guy because if Jesus said that to me right now, I don't know. Like if he was standing right here and he said, Jeremy, my calling for you is to sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. I you know, he's got one of those for each of us. If you remember, he was standing on the mountain, he's, he's speaking, and Jesus just decides to go just straight to the jugular and the, on his disciples, and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Like, he does not have any chill on him this day. He doesn't say, unless you take the bread of life, right? Jesus, say something easy. Unless you take the bread of life and drink the cup of heaven, right? He doesn't say that. He goes, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. I mean, that's harsh. None of these people would have, uh, would have expected that. What? And the disciples say to him, Lord, do you want to try that again and explain it? <laughs> and he goes on to say, and the word he uses for eat, it's not just in English. It means to them gnaw, like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And as the, the Bible says that people started to go away and he, he lets them walk away. And what does he say to the disciples? Are you going to leave also? That's, that's repentance. Jesus is, is, has this beauty to him that I was telling you about in, in this book, Gentle and Lowly, where he's saying, everyone come, all of you can come. I will take your pain. I will heal you. I will free you. But the things that you love and that you cling to, they're not good for you. They're not helping you. And so you have to reject them. And sometimes that's harsh. You know, Jesus says, think not that I came to bring peace, but to bring a sword. You're like, what? I thought you're the Prince of Peace. Yes. 
The thing that he's bringing a sword against are these things that we're hugging onto full body to be like, I can't live without these things. I can't live without my, my arrogance and my pride and my greed. I can't live without these things. And Jesus is like, I need to sever those from you. I need to cut that away from you. Paul, who will deliver me from the body of this death? He, was, he needed to be cut away and he recognized it. And so repentance is an imperfect humility. This is what I mean by that. Repentance doesn't mean on day one, you break away from all your sins. Repentance means I reject them and I'm turning to, although along the way that I'm walking towards you, I'm going to fall over and over and over again. And I recognize that, right? All of us are going to repent and do the thing we repented of. If you by chance come into the faith and you have one of those like miracle moments where you're a smoker and the Lord delivers you, that's awesome. Most of the time, Someone is addicted to something and they turn to the Lord and as he is healing them, they're that blind person going, Lord, I fell today, but, but I, I only watched it one time this week instead of four. And that's honestly how people start moving. And that's, that's how they start doing. So repentance is an important portion, portion of our uh, a Christian conversion. It is, it is something that it's not a work. But it's something that God has given to us as a means of, of his grace flowing to us. I reject the old world. I reject the old mind. I reject sin and all that it has for me. And imperfectly knowing that it's going to capture me more, Lord, I'm turning to you in faith. Faith is the umbrella term in the scripture, not simply of believing, but clinging to. Right? And so I have faith in arts table. Right? I have enough faith. That's pro- this is about $40 worth of faith. Right, because I believe that if I put these things on this table, it's going to be—it's not going to collapse and break. Right? This adds my faith a little bit more. I've got about a thousand dollars worth of faith in this now. I do not have one uh, arthritic back worth of faith on it, so I won't sit on this. <laughs> right? I don't have that much faith. I cannot cling to this because I don't believe it'll support me. Right? It's not made for a human to stand on or sit on. So faith is not just believing yes that God is. But faith is clinging to the belief that God is and also will. Faith is holding on to Christ and saying, Christ is the one who is going to save me. And so faith underneath this umbrella that we call faith is all the things that we still do works by faith that we don't earn, but God gives us grace in. So by faith, I get baptized by faith. I take communion by faith. I pray by faith. I read the scriptures and it is grace coming through that faith that flows through each of those things that affects me. And so we don't just take Christ, We don't take the Christian faith and go, it is believing in Jesus because sometimes that gets a little empty and, and we're wondering, well, where's the power? Where's the mercy? Where's the love? Where's the great? Where is all of us? Because it's not simply believing, but it is repentance and faith. It's rejection and clinging to. And so Cling to the scriptures throughout your week, because as you cling to this in faith, believing that God will, he does. Cling to your prayers. Cling to uh, coming to the worship service and meeting Christ as in, in, the, in the preaching of, uh, of the gospel and the preaching of the word. Because as you cling to these things, grace flows through those things, and by faith we receive those things, and God does what we began today with. He begins to wash away the old mind and bring to the new mind. And that's where you find a church of people that gather together and they start to have a unity of mind. 
They have a unity of mind, a unity of mission, and I know you have that. I'm not trying to say you don't. But a unity of mind, a unity of mission, and you see this agreeability that happens in the church body where there's no selfishness, there's no greed, there's no arrogance, there's no breaking apart, there's no one person trying to be part of another because each person has confessed, repented, clung to Christ, and through the means of grace that God has given to the church, they're absorbing this, this grace that God is giving them, and he's washing them away and washing them and bringing them and forming them up into this new person, which is Christ himself. And that's where you have the beauty that is the invention of the church that Christ has given to us. So, today, live your life continually in repentance and in faith, rejecting, clinging to, humility, holding on to Christ and trying to find him rather than just sitting there being like, well, I'm not going to get in the car today. Just get in the car and watch him drive you to where it is that he needs to drive you. Mm -hmm.